You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hello, music lovers, and welcome to Modern Musicology. My name is Alan, and as always, I am joined with two of my great friends, Stephanie Seymour. Howdy, everybody. And Rob Levy. Sup. And unfortunately, Anthony, our fourth wheel, is unable to be with us this week, but we have a very special guest that's joining us, David Fishoff founder of the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp and author of the new book, Rock Camp, an oral history, 25 years of the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. Mr. Fishoff, thank you so much for joining us. We are absolutely honored to have you with us. Well, thank you. My father's Mr. Fishoff. Call me David. (laughs) (laughs) Will do from this point on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we're so happy that you're here. So thank you. I just want to give the listeners sort of a brief history of your career, which is impossible to do in one paragraph, but uh, I just want to give them an overview of how you got the idea for the rock camp. So um, in your book, you say that you were always a dreamer and you knew what you want, you know, you wanted to make it big. So you became a sports agent right after high school and uh, you met Lou Pinella of the Yanks and you came up with the idea for a sports camp, which was a successful. Um, you met basketball player Earl Monroe after and, and then you en- rented his his accountant's office on Broadway for some years, and that's where you worked with a lot of rock and roll tour managers and agents and stuff. And you decided you wanted to get into the more entertainment side of things rather than sports. Correct. So you ended up, I guess, it's 1983 when you sort of full time became uh, in the entertainment world. Yes. Okay. Uh, you produced. But I always, but I was always in the cat schools. You know, I always had the cat yeah. in my background. So yes, that's, that's dirty dancing. So yeah. Well, I was going to say you produced tons of music tours, like the Happy Together tour in '85 with the Turtles, the Monkeys reunion tour in '86, the Dirty Dancing tour in '87, and so many more. And then in 1989, you asked Ringo Starr to go on tour and brought. Ringo Starr and his all-star band together, which is, we definitely want to talk about more later. Um, but it was during that tour, which I think this is the, such a great story, that Joe Walsh and Levon Helm played a prank on you. They basically pranked you into thinking they were in a knife and bottle fight with fake blood and everything. And after you, after the shock wore off and you realized that wasn't <laughs> real, um, you just saw how much fun they were having and you wanted to bring the public into this kind of experience with the rock and roll people. So it took a little while, but in 1997, your dream came to fruition in the form of the rock and roll fantasy camp, uh, which basically brings together people with rock stars for like four to five days, right. you know, extravaganzas, people jam together and they do a concert the final night. Well, we put them in a band and they, they, they get mentored and they, they uh, do master classes and they do jam rooms. And I really give them that feeling like I had when I was on tour for all those yeah. years. And um, so by the time they leave on Monday morning, their fingers are, you know, they're hurting from the guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they take them to the, uh, the highest places possible in their lives, give them the ultimate. And um, then they want to come back. Yeah. I mean, it's, it does seem like you have many return campers. I just want to ask you, though, about the the very first camp, because uh, in the book you say, you know, it monetarily it was not a success. It was and, a disaster. Yeah, it was really yeah. hard. And I want to know what drove you to keep going. How did the momentum start Great to question. evolve? So I, I did the first camp and we announced it. And, you know, I, and then you know, it was a disaster because we had more press. You know, it's so funny. I I had 15 members of the media there who wanted to cover this, and I had like 15 campers, and then we put some friends in. I think a ball player was there, showed up, the, a kicker of Kansas City Chiefs, I forget his name, but he also had interest of in playing music. And um, the press came out, it was great, but it was, it was it, it just, it was hard to, you know, to sell an idea out there, it's, it's really difficult. And, yeah. and although we had a lot of media, you know, helping us initially going in, 
The biggest problem we have with camp is the fear factor that people are scared to go jam with their heroes. I mean, yeah. and I get it. You know, I was asked by a friend of mine invited me to go to Michael Jordan fantasy camp. And he said, David, I'm giving you a gift because he knows how crazy I'm about basketball. And um, I said, I'm not going to jam. With, I'm not going to go play one-on-one with Michael Jordan or play three-on-three with Michael Jordan. I mean, you know, I'm too scared, you know. And so I get the, the, the fear factor. But I'll tell you, the ones who do come and they break their fear, they keep coming back. But the results have just been incredible to see people forming bands, writing songs. And, you know, we don't we don't promise any stardom at all. But, you know, we've, I've seen such great, great success in all these tribute bands and, you know, just today I, I, I took one of my camper bands and got him a spot to play at the Viper Room. Oh, wow. All hour. I mean, so, you know, I've seen success. I've seen I've seen a lot of success. I, it, it seems to me that it's it's success on different levels because not just, you know, people get to jam and have fun with their favorite no. you know, rock star. But there's a quote in the book that I read that you wrote that I just think is so wonderful and it, it encapsulates everything you said. A rock star is more than someone who can just play a tune or write an album. A rock star is someone who lives his or her dream. A rock star is someone who's leading a life of happiness, pursuing their passion against all odds. And with the right encouragement and enough courage, anyone can do it. And to me, I mean, there's so many stories of people overcoming things just in that short period of time. Right. And so, so you know, Tony Robbins said, if you want to you know, get better in something, immerse yourself in it for four days, five days, you know. I know a friend of mine, uh, you know, they went to uh, wanted to learn wines and went to Paris and just joined a wine, um, or, you know, learn, just said, I'm going to take a course on wines. So, um, you know, it's been two weeks in Paris learning, learning wines and where they're from and, and where they taste and everything like that. So what I really wanted out of the movie and out of the book is I want people to realize that at any age they can attribute uh, they, they, they don't have to be scared and that they can do what they want on their dreams. So if you want to be an artist, you want to create an app, you want to write a song, no matter what it is. Yeah. I'm hoping that you'll watch that film. I'm hoping you'll read that book and you'll say, you know, these people did it through music. I can also do it. And it's just a matter of, you know, telling yourself the right story. No, it's so inspiring. It's really it is truly an inspiring movie. And and the book was so uh, just first of all, it's easy to read because it's just wonderful, you know, paragraphs from the the campers, the counselors, the, just the the stories that everyone's sharing. It's just it's and, just and the passion. You know, I, yeah. I I looked at the book yesterday because you know you forget you know, and I and I what I really loved was you know during COVID it was a really tough time. I can't tell you how many artists believed they were never going to work again. I mean, Mick Fleetwood came out and said, you know, he said. The plea with Max over. We're never going to tour again. And then all of a sudden, she passed away uh, mm. recently. Um, yeah, with me. But um, but so we did these master classes, and I would charge people to go ask questions with whether with Alice Cooper and Sticks, and I, a lot of these artists gave it to charity. Roger Dolce gave his a Teenage Cancer America, and Sticks gave it to their crew. Uh, yeah. You know, what's the uh, the Scorpions? They came on from Germany. Said we'll do this. We're going to give the money to our crew. I mean, it was so beautiful to see the generosity that came out. But uh, and uh, 160 masterclasses. There was one one common denominator every on every class was passion. They all yeah. have passion for their work. And number two, the song. You know, no matter what it is, it's all about the song. And especially if you want to become a star and everything like that, and the music, mm-hmm. but passion. And I think that's really something that people need to integrate into their lives and find their passions and what they love and what they want to do. When you're talking about um, people of all ages coming to these things and getting this experience, what is the youngest and what is the oldest camper that you've had? So, you know, I have a woman's camp coming up. Uh, yeah. I was going to bring that up later. Four or five weeks with Winona Judd and, and, um, and Lizzie Hale. I'm getting them from 12 years old to nannies. <laughs> I can, you know, I said, what's your email? It's nanny, nanny, uh, you know, Superman, whatever it was. <laughs> but it was a nanny signed up. I found with the women's camp, the ages are from 12 to 70, you know. And, wow. and you know, I put the 12-year-olds in a band with the 12-year-olds and the, the older yeah. people. But, you know, the one great thing about music is, 
there's no age that, you know, you can go, Rob, you can talk about sports and, and we can go to the St. Louis Cardinals fantasy camp. And there's no way that you're going to ever be, um, you know, Orlando Cepeda. Okay. There's no way you're going to ever be a baseball, uh, a baseball star, but you can write a song at 80. You can tour, you can get into a tribute band. So music is, is just so different. And I think that, um, you know, so all ages can come. And I think, you know, while it's expensive, I think parents who do send their kids to us, they really learn so much. I mean, Gene Simmons said, he said, uh, I wish they had this when I was first starting out, you know, to be able to ask these rock stars their, their questions and their experience. And, you know, and, and these are the people that have made it. Yeah. They have made it. And they can give you the best insight, the best information that you could ever want. I was really impressed by the willingness of so many of the rock stars to to just they set aside their egos and they just go the, for the sheer fun of it. And it's amazing. It's, it's like fun. some of them were like more excited to meet their idols, too. And to do, yes, you know, yes. well, you know, it wasn't like that when I first started. It was hard in the beginning. It was very difficult. I remember calling a couple of musicians. Oh, I don't play with amateurs. I don't play with amateurs. And and, you know, no one was doing that. No one's doing meet and greets when we started this. And all of a sudden they realized that. You know, these are musicians, you know, like Roger Dolce said, that reminds me of what it was like when I first started. Yeah. And I think that's what Paul Stanley saw it in Sammy Hagar. You know, we, you know, if we only had a place where we could have gone and, and years ago, we could have asked questions and what to avoid and, and what, you know, what, what should we do? Like, don't sell your publishing. You know? Exactly. No, exactly. You know, don't take those pennies, you know, or so many questions that even the Beatles made mistakes and, you know, and Elvis and, and, you know, back then, you know, the business was just starting, but to get um, to get the expertise and their and their willingness to give it, and I think I think that's really why I'm still doing this is because it's not me. It's it's you know Joe Perry came, comes to the camp one time, and then he realizes when he leaves, hey, there's something here, yeah. and he comes back a third and a fourth and a fifth time, and same thing with Roger Daltrey, and same thing with Gene Simmons, and you know they realize that there's there's some they, they walk out of there with with a great feeling that. I, you know, I can help somebody. I can give someone some advice. And David, you've talked a little bit about what the people that go to the camp get out of it and what the musicians get out of it. But what what have you gotten out of it? I mean, obviously, it's it's probably been transformational for you as well. Rob, totally. You know, yes, I made I made very good money when I was touring with the big stars and I was on the road and producing tours and no question about it. But now. It's a hard business because you know, I'll tell you why you can you can only put one bass player in a band and you can only have like twelve bands, thirteen bands the most because you know how many bands can you can you ask a star to play with? So um, you can you know put one drummer and maybe two sometimes, but so it's limited. So but for me, I have to tell you, it's it's really been life changing because it's more fun to give than to take, and and you know every day you open up an email saying, hey, thank you. Thank you so much. And, you know, you changed my life. And, and um, you know, the women tell me my husband doesn't have road rage anymore. And he's happy. <laughs> you know, they're, they're really finding happiness and the friendships they make. And it's really, Rock Camp has become a beautiful community. And from this, so this is what's amazing. From this community, and I didn't, I, it came unbeknownst to me, you know, you know is these campers got together and they asked me, can they form a foundation? And they formed a rock and roll foundation. And that's what I did with the book. I donated all the proceeds to the book, to the foundation. So mm-hmm. if you go on Amazon and buy the book, the foundation's getting getting the 100% of the money um, from, from the, you know, for the sales. And I, because I, what they're doing is that they decided, you know, we're going to use this opportunity to give young people a chance to go to rock and roll fantasy camp. And so it, it's been, yeah, it's been, it's been great. Have you have you become friends like outside of camp with some of these campers? I mean, I know you must be with some of the, you know, the counselors. Yeah, I mean, but. you know, it's a lot of them, um, and some of them I've maintained really great friendships. But but it, forget me, it's the rock stars. Mm-hmm. To me, my best friends are are from rock camp, yeah, and, and they're the ones who, um, you know, and and I, I and I said to uh, Roger Dalton, said, oh, all those people, your campers, are all in the front row. And I said, they're in the front row because um, they jam with you. They can't sit anywhere else. (laughs) (laughs) They got to sit up front. So, yeah, the front (laughs) at every camp, I meet 40, 50 new people. And they're really fabulous people. And I think the rock stars see that, too, because these people, they want to be musicians. They they just, you know, 
it's not easy to be a musician. I'm, I can't. I've tried it. I tried. You know, it's hard, and you got to put a lot of practice and a lot of, and you got to be dedicated. And what's so good about camp is how so many of these camps have never been on a stage before, never yeah. been in a band before, and and now they come to camp and they're and they're jamming away, and and um, and it's great. I mean, I had a uh, a young lady call me. She said, David, my father came to your camp a year ago and um he's doing his first gig would you come and you know he used to take lessons on saturdays in his house and and now on zoom and then he, put, he met came to camp met some guys and and a gal and they formed a band and he walked into sir in new york and he said uh you know can we re- i want to rent rehearsal space the guy turned to me and says uh, have you ever been in a band before and the guy says no but uh, but here's my picture with roger dolce we jammed live <laughs> At the House of Blues. <laughs> nice. Okay, okay, okay. Sure, I'll rent your room. And then they became a band. And so I show up to the first, you know, their first gig they did. They hired a music teacher to teach them. And, you know, there were I, there were amps stacked to the ceiling and, you know, 20 guitars. And <laughs> the drummer had three basses, you know, not two, three bass drums, you know, the, you know, because guys, they love gear, you know, and. And the vocalist in front, she was an outfit on, you know, she must have spent a thousand dollars at Chanel for the outfit. But they but it was so cool to see them and to see how happy they were. And my, one of my favorite lines, and it's in the book, but I I I tell the story about Joe Perry. You know, we we're in we're doing a camp in Foxwoods Casino and and they, you know, the Rockers, they love doing the Q and A's. They love because they want to give advice and they mm. and the questions aren't you know, like, uh, what's your favorite band? You know, it's like, what's who inspired you? What? Tell me about your guitar. How many pickups do you have? What kind of amps do you use? You know, talk about the recording. Talk about this album. And, and the questions are just great. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they're cute. So some guy, he turns, so Joe said, let me ask you a question, sir. He says, what do you do for a living? Guy says, I'm a lawyer. And he says, on weekends, I play guitar in my band. And Joe turns to him and says, you know, you're full of shit. Pardon my expression. He says, but you're a guitarist first. You do the legal bullcrap to buy guitars. (laughs) That's me. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's like the musician at heart, you know. Yeah. yeah. People are musicians at heart. Mm -hmm. When I was watching the documentary, I was blown away by some of the personal stories that came out of the experience, both from the rock stars and from the campers. And I'm thinking specifically of, you know, seeing footage of Tony Franklin just hanging out at his house with his daughter, doing his gardening, you know, and talking about what an experience the fantasy camp is for him. And then you intercut that with, and I think, I'm so sorry I forgot his name, but the drummer who is talking to his daughters and telling them the story of, oh my, he's amazing and I want to be his best friend. And I was just blown away by, by all of that. Tony Franklin was absolutely amazing. I've I've loved Tony Franklin for a long time and that just made me love him more. He's so honest. And he yeah. came out and, you know, I have to say that uh, if, if it wasn't a 12 step program, I probably wouldn't be in business. You know, I think 12 steps teaches people to give back. So a lot of the musicians are, yeah. are when they first started, they were 12 steppers. They wanted to get back. Um, I asked Jeff Beck why he did my camp. He said, you know, David, uh, the business has been so good to me. I wanted to really give back to people. And, and you know, so I, I think that um i love that in the film that part but i think though what's great about the film is you see rock stars like you've never seen them before you know and 100%. you know when i toured when i was on the road with all my artists 99 percent of them you know when it came to the last song we were in a van and we were running and we were going to the next city whether it was a bus or getting on a plane you know unlike the country artists you know they once asked keith urban and i remember going to an oprah show and i said keith do you, do you ever see your fans? And she, she said, I love my fans. I love them. I love them. They come come on my bus at five o'clock. I hug them. I kiss them. And she said, what was the first rock concert you went to? And he said, I went to see Aerosmith. She said, I would have done anything to meet Steven Tyler and Joe Perry. You know, so mm. <laughs> different world. Rock stars always ran out the yeah. door. And the country people, they're there with their buses and everything. So, um, But I thought what's, what I love most about the movie is just the way how humble these rockers turned out. And they really are. Uh, you know, I, I know I promoted my book. I've always promoted it, but and, and I wrote a book ten years ago called Rock Your Business because I really wanted to share with people what you can learn. I mean, let's face it, Kiss, 
the Rolling Stones. I mean, Mick Jagger's a genius. Mm -hmm. Right. $10 million a night. I mean, what companies are 50 years old that can still do that kind of business that they are doing? And, and you walk around and how many people see their merchandise and their tongue and the Beatles? And, you know, you can learn a lot from these rock stars. They're, yeah. they're no dummies. They're, they, they're very smart and the people around them are smart. So there's a lot to learn. And speaking of learning, I know you learned a lot of stuff from doing the sports camps and took that into rock camp. Can you kind of talk about the similarities and differences between the rock camps and the sports camps in terms of like the excitement that the people get or like sort of how they're run? Obviously, they're two different worlds. I mean, they're very similar sort of. In yeah, well, Rob, when I, people, but all I ran the sports business, when I ran the sports camps, it was basically for kids. It was basically for for young people, and it wasn't meant for um, it, it wasn't meant for adults, you know. And and but now I think with the sports business, uh, I think with music, you know, it could be at any age, and it's more about being in a band and listening. And uh, you know, I I don't think it was for, for for a young man to have an effect to see Reggie Jackson and see Bucky Dent was one thing, but I think the music part is. Um, it's just so much more creative. And, you know, that's probably why I, I went into I, I did more music than I did when I got out of sports. And once my players retired and I did a few of their, their broadcasting contracts. But, I, you know, and it was all about show me the money, show me the money. Whereas in music, you know, it's creative. You can get you can come up with an idea and, you know, and I'm thinking an idea every minute. I mean, this brain of mine doesn't I wish it would stop, but it doesn't. But that's what I love about camp. I can come up with a new concept all the time and create something new. I love Alice Cooper. Uh, when he ends the, it's like at the end of the film and he's just like, I can't think of anything better to do. He's like, I, it's better than stamp collecting. It's like, you know, it's just, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty well, much sums it up, you know, rock and roll. Guys that he did three times. He did my Q and A and, and, um, and, you know, I, I was texting him. I said, Alice, um, it's, it's, you know, it's over an hour and a half already. He says, I got nowhere to go. It was COVID. He stayed on for two, three hours. And <laughs> so, you know, you saw how much passion and how much these artists gave and and god bless them. now they're out there touring and kicking it up on the road yeah when you're talking about creating new ideas like new things always come to you just very recently you started an all women fantasy camp that all women, had yes. nancy wilson and some other folks in it and then there's an as you mentioned there's another one coming up in january with uh vicky peterson and lizzie hale and winona judd so yeah. I want to know where, what made you want to do this and where did the idea come from and I how has it give, gone? I have, I have to give credit to Britt Lightning, who is the, um, she's a lead guitar player in Dixon and she works with me in, in, in the camps and helps me run them. It was her idea to do an all women's camp about three, four years ago. And let's mm. do it. And I got to tell you, it was amazing because women, first of all, the camaraderie with women was so much better than the men. You know, the men, they finish the final, they finish the final show. They bring their fans to see their, their families and their fans and their friends come to the final show. After they get on, they get done with their performance last week in New York, they all ran out to dinner. The women never left. The love and the passion that the women had with each other, the camaraderie mm. was so much better. And that's why I'm doing it again, because, you know, a young lady doesn't have to worry about someone coming up with a guitar lick and trying to impress them. They can just feel Feel free. You know, I want to I want to send them to feel free, understand. And, you know, there's different obstacles for women in rock and roll. It's not easy, you know, being a woman in rock mm -hmm. and roll. And I think that um, you can learn a lot. And, you know, more mm -hmm. and more, they're, they're getting more successful. And, 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 you know, the whole thing with the Grammys. But I think this was amazing that um, women are able to, you know, talk to other women and, and get advice. And, you know, I did, I did a songwriting camp. I did a songwriting camp with... With Desmond Child, where people came down at 60 oh, people wow. come and really learn about songs. Yeah. And you know, the Desmond was amazing. He spent four days going through people's songs. And one day one lady presented a song, and uh, you know, he makes you prepare the lyrics and you have to do line by line. And then he said to this lady, he says, Okay, let me hear this lyric. Uh, I found love from Nashville to the Alamo. And he said, Lady. We lost the Alamo. How did you find love? And you know, and then, and then we found love. And we, what are we? Michael Jackson, the the we are the world. It's I. You got to write <laughs> a lesson. So all I can tell you at these camps, the insight that you get, and the brilliance of these artists, and how many artists really make it in this world. Z point, 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 point. So when you're getting these people giving you their 
their their brilliance. You got to do it. You got to do it. Yeah, it's, I, I I just love their. I just love the willingness of 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 all the 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 rock stars. I'm going to say rock stars, but they are. Yeah. Um, you know, wh- one of my favorite um, points in the movie was the story about the journal. Oh no, I think it was in the book actually. It was Liam Gowing, the journalist who yes. was. Oh, that was so moving. What he was with the camper named Chris Galfoyle. What a story that was. Oh, who, <laughs> look, look, heart- way, let me tell you something. Yeah. You see the movie. There are five stories. Yeah. And like I said, I'm excited to tell everyone that the movie's on Amazon Prime now. They can watch it free. Yeah. But I want to say one thing that we could have done a thousand stories because all these people have incredible stories. Right. They all have incredible yeah. stories. So while this one was, you know, this is this young man or or this woman or this or his pistol story. There are a thousand stories. It was hard to, you know, to nail them down. It must have been. I was thinking about that after yeah, the movie. That story, the, you know, here McKinsey and, and he, you know, that, that son. Yeah. You know, I, I want to leave you with this story. But in the movie that a, a lady called me about four weeks ago and she sees the movie and um, she says, you know, my husband. And I, you know, we got divorced and because right, we had a, a child like, you know, like, like, um, what's the name of the film? Scott uh, J- Jackson. Jackson. And, yeah. you know, he had disabilities. And she said, yeah, and now the kid and, and now the, um, the, the boy is, um, you know, you might, my, my, it's my daughter. She's, she's brain dead and uh, she's 30 and she's in the home state. These people worked on that child. Oh, and yes. he's now going to UCLA. So how amazing is that where parents can dedicate themselves to stories? She said that, you know, I was just jealous that that family really worked with having that child. So, yeah, I love that in the film to me. Yeah. You know, and the, the other child who had autism, who has yeah. autism and who and really over the years, really, it gave it's given power of music. It is. It's the truly power, the power of music. Instrument. It'll make mm-hmm. your life. And, you know, during COVID, more women picked up instruments, guitar, you know, Fender did great, um, Gibson did great. It was incredible. Yep. I heard about that, that, you know, the record, I mean, the instrument stores were saying that during COVID, they had more women coming in to buy guitars than they had ever had before. Yeah. Rock and roll women. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was, you know, those, it, the, the idea of having the all women fantasy camp is amazing. I have having been in a all female band for many years back in like the nineties, it would have been amazing to kind of have some people to look to for advice and for, you know, just support, I guess. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, no, because there wasn't there many, support, you know, support. If yeah. You're, if you're getting words from, from Melissa Etheridge and you're getting Nancy exactly. Wilson and they're encouraging you. You're going to take those words and you're going to take them back. And it's just amazing how we've seen some of these people grow from all these rock stars encouragements. I'm going to pivot a little bit because we mentioned it at the beginning. And I want to kind of go back to pre-fantasy camp. I'm really interested to know about Ringo's All-Stars. Because that's been something that's been going ever since you kind of approached him with the idea. And it's been something that's, I think, that has just given a whole new life to Ringo's career. I'm, I'm curious to know, when you first approached Ringo Starr and you said, hey, you want to go on tour? I've got this crazy idea, but it's going to involve you learning a bunch of other people's songs. Was that a hard sell? Was he initially well, receptive to that? You know what? He had just come out of rehab and I went over to England and I pitched him on the idea. And he said, oh, I had the same idea. So uh, together, I was easy to sell. I didn't have to really sell him much. And then he said, let's talk about the band. And he got excited. And I'm so happy for him because, you know, he's continued to do this over 30 years. And yeah, um, the other tour I created was Happy Together Tour. They're still out there touring all these years. And Dirty Dancing has been a Broadway show. And so, you know, while I'm not involved in them, I feel good that I was involved in the beginning and, and, and these these things are still going. So, no, it's great. You know, it's it's fun. And 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 I'm happy for these people. You know, they're out there doing doing their passion, doing their love. I was going to ask you, since we're taking a stroll down memory lane a little bit, uh, when I was in high school, that Monkeys reunion tour was a really big deal, right? Huge. And as someone who loves the Monkeys, uh, it's still a big deal, right? 
Well, then, for, then they should be in the Hall of Fame. That was my first question. Oh, my my next question is nothing like the monkeys. Can you just kind of talk about your experience of working with the monkeys and sort of you that know, whole I, process? Because really, it does worked, kind of tie in with the camp. Yeah, I worked in with three individuals. You know, they were all represented by themselves. And they don't even own the name. The name is owned now by Rhino, but it was owned by Columbia Pictures. So unlike most bands who start in a garage, you know, and they have camaraderie, this band wasn't like that. And they, and they, um, you know, they weren't like that at all. They, you know, they, they were told one day, hey, you're going to be the monkeys, period. And it was a great experience, you know, they, you know, t- talking to them I and mean, dealing with them. And I, and it was, it was luck of the jaw, MTV. And I love to tell the stories in the, in the movie, but, um, it was a great experience, and I love Davey, and Peter and I were good friends, and, and Mickey is, is super. I took my teenagers to on a ship this week, on a ship this year. We just went on because I wanted them to meet, meet Mickey and see the monkeys. So I took my daughter and my son. We went on a cruise together. It was amazing. So let them see that type of music. But the monkeys, are, their music still holds up. Uh, Neil Diamond wrote those amazing songs, so uh, it was mm-hmm. great. Can you talk about some of the sports stuff that you did a little bit or do you know I, I love the sports stuff, you know, Phil Sims and I, you know, I, you know, once I got him as a client and he got me the whole offensive line, I was representing a lot of the players on the team. Um, loved it. It was great. And I love representing them and getting the best contracts. Um, you know, and, and I love sports, but how, how did yeah, you even get involved after high school? I mean, you were right after high school. You just, there weren't a lot of agents, man. I don't know. It was just mm-hmm. like, yeah, I just, yeah, I have a, I have goals, and <laughs> I have goals. You know, as a friend of mine was saying to me, dreams are different than goals. So I'm, I'm into goals, and um, you know, I probably wanted to find my way to get out of college. So I, I decided to go after Elliot Maddox and start representing him. And you know, it's a different business now, but it, it's still a great business, and I love young people to do it. And um, so, you know, it's it's a harder business, a lot of competition out there, and the salaries are bigger and the money's bigger, so naturally there's more competition. But um, it, it was it were, it were great years, great years, and I learned a lot. I learned you, a lot. You uh, worked in the cat. You're saying you worked in the Catskills? Or the Catskills, yeah. That was you know. That's like a whole yeah, scene up there. Yeah, the whole yeah, dirty dancing. That's what it is. Dirty dancing. The movie is the Catskills. No, even though they didn't film it up there, but mm-hmm. it was it was you know it was me selling. He was selling comedians there and, and singers, and it was a whole world. It was a whole world, and it was a great place to start because every comedian that works up in the Catskill, we just lost a great one, Freddie Roman, this week. But you, you know, unlike when you go to a comedy club and you put down ten, twenty dollars, and you buy two drinks, and anything the comic says, you laugh, you laugh, you laugh. In the Catskills, you've been given three meals a day, and it's all inclusive for the price that you paid. The, so now you get the show for free and you try to entertain people who are stuffed, who've eaten <laughs> all this food for free. And they say, they sit back, say, okay, entertain me. I dare you to make me laugh. I dare you to make me laugh. <laughs> if they laugh, the whole three meals are coming out. So they're, <laughs> you know, they're all nervous to laugh. And these comics have to get creative. You know, and my favorite was a guy named Larry Best. He came out and he said, hey, what, you know, what are we, um, don't get upset at me. I just came from the dentist and, and my teeth are, um, you know, I might have to cut this short, this performance short. And all of a sudden you see five chicklets come out of his mouth. I mean, the stuff that they did, the creative shtick, it's called shtick. Mm-hmm. And nothing like the Catskill comics. They were uh, they were brilliant. And don't forget, they had to entertain audiences. That's why, you know, a lot of these corporate, you know, a lot of these rock stars say, I'm not working at a corporate gig because the people aren't there and they're not fans. Well, working at the Catskill is the same thing. It's hard. So it's a great training ground, both for me and for the comics. You had mentioned a little bit about the pandemic and it comes up a lot in uh, the book and the movie. Can you sort of talk about the how you did pivot to the master classes online? Well, that, that's what I did. I, you know, and then the pivoting coming out of that, because that pivot coming out of it is almost ha- harder than the pivot going in. Right, right. And it, it was very hard. It was hard, but we did it. Um, it also it opened up our doors so people see what Rock Camp is, you know, and you get that access. You can talk to Alice Cooper. You know, you can talk to Roger Dolce. You mean I can really talk to Judith Priest? Yes, you can, you know, and, and that's what we offer. So you're able to touch the stars, even whether it was on Zoom or not. But uh, so that, that you know, the people were able to stay in touch with the business. Then I did camps. It was hard because you had to be vaccinated because, you know, you work so close with an artist and it took some heat from people who didn't want to believe in vaccination. But 
you know, it's only fair to these artists, you know, they're at an age where, you know, they, they you know, so um, it worked. It worked and camps now are filled up and they have a great camp coming in March with Led Zeppelin music and Stone Temple Pilots and, and uh, they're amazing, those two guys, the, the, the Leo brothers and, 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 uh, and Kim Thale from Soundgarden. I mean, he came to the last camp. I asked him to come for a couple hours and jam with everybody. He stayed for three days. He really got it. And he's, you know, had fun with the campers. So he's coming back this year and he's going to jam with them and play live at the uh, Whiskey Go-Go with him. I love how some of the the artists that you have invited just for you know come here briefly from and they they end up staying. Let them it's taste just, it. Let them taste what we have. Yeah. Yeah. And they mm-hmm. realize, yeah. I was going to ask you a little bit about the involvement of kind of wide range of like from multi generation of artists because you've had people like Buddy Guy and then people from much younger bands and I'm just wondering if it was ever a problem getting these folks to work together. Was there ever a lineup that you put together that you thought this will never work? No, they all, they all they all respect each other. That's fantastic. You know, that it's really the respect, and uh, you know the young artists respect the old artists. Um, there's just so much artists respect the camp, and I saw that on the Ringo tour too. The amount of respect mm. that everybody has. So yeah, no, it's 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 great. I love that part. That's fantastic. Well, why don't you why don't you say a little bit more about your book for our listeners? Because you okay. know we're going into holiday shopping time. And Great. well, thank you. No, I appreciate the book. It's called Rock Camp. It's it's on Amazon. Like I said, a hundred percent of the profits are going to the foundation. It's a I think it's a it's a good motivational book. You know, it's not it really it's is. Not a, it's not a long read. It's a, you'll really walk out of there getting getting motivated and and I'm hoping, like I said, you can whether you want to, you want to go in the wine business, go in the wine business. You want to write an app, go in that. Use that book to motivate you to become, you know, to, live, to to go for your goal or your dreams. And the, and the film, again, I'm excited that it's on, I just found out Friday, it's on uh, it's on Prime, Amazon mm-hmm. Prime. So the first day it did 13,000 minutes, so I'm hoping it will really pick wow. up. People will see it. And and again, whether they, they're musicians or not, if they'll get a life-changing experience from it, I'll be, I'm ble- I feel blessed. Yeah, they were both completely inspirational, so highly recommended. If like you said, it doesn't matter if whether you play music or not. It's the, it it applies to life. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. So all right. Thank you so much, David, for being with us. Oh, yes. you're so welcome. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me, and it's great to see all you guys from all different parts of the country. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you so David. much for spending some time with us. It was enjoyable. Thank you. Have okay, a great night. So, Brittany, Martha. <laughs> Tell me about your podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like we're in sync, but also kind of a disaster. We are always a disaster. So our podcast is fun if you want to hear two people talk about and complain about stuff that <laughs> a they lot of love and also hate. And drink. And drink. And the show is Same. called? Oh. <laughs> but, but first, let's, let's talk nerdy. nerdy. You can find us on the ESO Network. Bye-bye. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> All right, we're back. So that was a fun interview. It was. He oh was my so gosh. Full of energy. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. What an inspirational story. Oh yeah. Um, and he he mentioned this uh, early in the interview, so I kind of want to bring it up, and that is that um, we're recording this on December fourth, and just a couple of days ago, we lost Christine McVie of Fleetwood Mac, and oh my gosh, what an enormous! I mean, that was that hit me. It hit me too. Know? Yeah, I don't know. I think I think you know when somebody of that that's been in your life for however long, you know, yeah. however how many years, fifty, whatever, yeah, forty five, fifty. It's just, it's, it's like, you can't even process the information. I kept saying that the day it happened, like, I just can't even process that information. Yeah. I really enjoyed seeing the uh, outpouring of uh, comments and um, sentiments from other artists, Um, people like the girls in Heim and, Mm -hmm. you know, just people who were inspired by her. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the act called Japanese breakfast. I'm a big fan of her. And um, she was talking about when she's in the studio and she's trying to create a, like a really interesting keyboard line. She's, she says, I'm trying to get in, I'm trying to channel my inner Christine. Mm. And they hung a picture of her in the studio when they were recording their album. 
Oh, wow. I know. It's just amazing. I think she's one of the greatest pop pop rock songwriters ever. I just think she's got an incredible sense of melody, and I just think she's amazing. And I think, too, what's interesting is we always talk about this idea of legacy artists and things, right? Mm. But she is truly an artist that is not defined by a particular era or a generation, which I think is a huge testament because the music that she helped make and the songs that she wrote are going to live past her, which I know sounds yeah. kind of bad now. But we get the very few of these artists that are like, they're in a time and they're done. You know, like right now we have a lot of artists you hear and we're like, okay, they're from the 80s and you put them in the box for the 80s and you're done, right? Yeah, She's one of those timeless. artists that it's like, People are still discovering Fleetwood Mac every single day and discovering mm -hmm. her. And yeah. it's having a profound effect on who they are and what they listen to. Right. And that is amazing. You know, mm -hmm. she's one of the she's one of these people that you, you will always just randomly hear on the radio and you'll be like, oh, yeah. And then you realize just how amazing she is. Yeah. And yes. I'm with you, Alan. I am glad that she's getting all the accolades and things. And. I'm glad that along with those accolades is coming this renewed respect for her as a songwriter, because I think that uh, the songs she wrote hmm. for the times that she wrote them are really great because she was writing songs at a time when it was not always easy to be recognized as a songwriter necessarily. Right. And now we sort of look at people in, in bands as both performers and songwriters. And I think that she's one of those people that is in both camps. And, and also, really she, like you were saying, it's like timeless music. Also, her voice was one of a kind, really, truly mm -hmm. one of a yeah. kind. I don't mm -hmm. know anyone that sounds like her. And you can pick her out immediately. You know, if when you know when you hear the two notes, you, that's her, you know. Um, and someone I don't know who said this, but I believe it's so true. In, in a way, she was Fleetwood Mac's secret weapon. Oh, 100 percent agree. And her. I totally playing. agree. Yeah. You know, it's like Stevie gets all the attention, mm -hmm. but Christine was there much longer and was the much more consistent hit maker. Uh, Ann Wilson wrote a really beautiful uh, thing on her post, which she said, I don't know if she took this from somewhere or she wrote it herself, but it was like she said, Christine was the moon to Stevie's son. And that oh, was yeah. just Ooh. perfect. Yeah, exactly. And I think that they are so different people, but they clicked so well. And, um, you know, when Stevie wrote on her, when she did her post, she said she she described Christine as my best friend in the whole world since the first day of 1975. Yeah. When they first met. Yeah. That That's just and, amazing. Yeah. Okay. Before we close up shop, for this week's episode, I want to get to a couple of um, messages from listener that we weren't able to get to on the last couple of episodes, but I really want to get these in. And both of these come from Kim McGibney, who is from Atlanta. And the first one that she sent was about the band songs episode. And she wrote, just listen to this great episode. I'd add to the band song list pretty much all of Prince's first album. I'm certain that the song Head never got any airplay. One other that considering things that ought to make a comeback, and she 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 quotes a, a song that I'm I'm not gonna say the full title. Uh, and it's John Lennon's Woman is the N-word of the world. And yes, I can. Yes, I agree. OK, um, the PMRC hearings, I watch those. And yes, Frank Zappa testified, followed by John Denver. And then the hero we needed showed up wearing the tightest pair of jeans and hair billowing behind him. D. Snyder from Twisted Sister or how I became a Twisted Sister fan. And then she posted a link to the YouTube clip of D. Snyder's full Senate hearing speech, which was really great. And then this week, she I, I, she's not listening to these episodes in order. So this week she wrote, I'm not exactly going in order here. That concert episode, our, our concert memories episode was fun. The Fox here in Atlanta was always a great place for a concert. I saw the pretenders there. 
the first performance that really has stuck out to me happened when I was 12. I got to stand in the wings and watch Otis Redding sing sitting on the dock of the bay. That must have been an amazing experience. Thank you so much, Kim, A, for listening, but B, for taking the time to to write in and let us know your thoughts about the episodes and to add some more to the discussion about these topics. We really, really appreciate it. If anybody else would like to uh, write to us, we'd love to hear from you and we love to include your messages on our show. Just drop us a line at modernmusicology1 at gmail.com or just leave a comment on a Facebook post or wherever you're listening to the episode, Spotify or wherever else. Thanks so much. Before we cut out, I want to get to our picks of the week. The thing that I've been listening to this week is Fleetwood Mac mm-hmm. because I have just sort of been like, you know, diving into the deep end of the, of the Fleetwood Mac pool. I'm, I've always been a huge Fleetwood Mac fan. And by that, I mean, from the first album, when they were a blues band in England up to, you know, what they've done the most recently. And Christine has been there for a long time. I mean, she was there for five years before Lindsay and Stevie were, but she was playing on the albums and touring with them before she became a full-time member. So she has been, you know, other than John and Mick, Christine has been there longer than anyone. So I've just been really immersed in the whole Fleetwood Mac thing this week. So have y'all been listening to anything? I agree. I've actually, <laughs> rumors what came on to my, um, I was driving for a while and rumors was on and I was just, you know, as I had said in the podcast previously, that album is, it does not age. It, yeah. It's like you're, it, you, you, you can feel like you're in that time, but you, it's so contemporary. So that's one. And actually, uh, another thing I want to mention is the Bee Gees documentary from the year 2000. I just think that that was just, it blew me away. The amount of, I knew they had a huge catalog, but (laughs) it even opened my mind even more to how many hits they had, how many, um, just, just the whole history of the band and just how wonderful their voices are and always will be. So, yeah. I too have been listening to a lot of Fleetwood Mac, um, and uh, I know Alan will be quite upset with me, but it's been, it had been too long since I listened to Fleetwood Mac. I mean, I have records, and it's just I, I'm very I'm very regretful that I go back to them soon. Uh, but I've been listening to uh, Rumors a lot this week. Um, I think like a lot of other people, but I also have been listening to Shufflemania, the brand new album from Mr. Robin Hitchcock. Oh, and nice. It is it is a joy, right? Mm. Um, it's got everything you expect in a Robin Hitchcock record. You know, he is a really interesting songwriter. You see that in these songs. But he's really good at melodies, too. And for a guy who's got a voice that is kind of different than a regular voice, it totally works. And Shuffle Mania is probably the best record he's done in, I, I think, for me, at least, you know, five or ten years. So that's cool. great. The other thing that I've been listening to a lot this week is between 10th and 11th uh, from the Charlatans. Charlatans, yeah. The Charlatans have announced that they are the Charlatans and Ride are going to go on tour together on a double bill um, this year. Awesome. And it's a co-headlining tour. And uh, I have, you know, I listen to Ride on a pretty consistent basis. And the Charlottes, I've been listening to more Tim Burgess stuff lately than some of the Charlottes records. But I forgot how interesting Between 10th and 11th was. So Such I, a I good think, album. Yeah. And I'm very much looking forward to, to that tour as well. And then also just, to, you know, single-wise, um, Sarah Nixie, who was in Black Box Recorder, uh, has a new single out called Lies of the Land. And it is pretty to the point, and it's uh, got if you if you love her voice and you love Black Box Recorder, if you've never heard Black Box Recorder, it's very similar to things like One Dove or Saint Etienne in sort of the the stylings. But it's really good. She's going to do a couple singles and then an album uh, next year, and uh, it's good to have uh, that voice back making records. That's awesome. All right, well, that's it for this week. We've got one more show coming up. Uh, for the year and that is an interview that we'll be doing next week with david leaf so stay around for that stephanie where can folks find you on the internet you can find me at Bandcamp, 
just under my name, Stephanie Seymour. You can find me at my website, therearebirds.com. You can find me on Facebook at Stephanie Seymour Music. And you can find me on Instagram at there underscore are underscore birds. And of course, on all the streaming platforms everywhere. I am going to interject at this point that you can find Anthony. He is uh, with the Watchers in the Fourth Dimension podcast, which is a Doctor Who podcast. He and his group have been watching Doctor Who from the very beginning in order and commenting on every story that they've watched. And they are up to the beginning of the second season of Tom Baker, the fourth doctor. And as soon as our recording is done, I'm going to go listen to the episode because I haven't heard it yet. And I'm very excited to, um, and you can find his podcast watchers in the fourth dimension on Spotify and Apple and all those other places that you find podcasts. And as he says, and probably wherever you're listening to this one, Yes, he does. All right, Rob, what about you? So uh, I am on uh, Facebook and Instagram under Rob Levy, also uh, for now Twitter, and uh, post. Yeah, kids, ask your ask your, uh, your, your, your I think parents. I think millennial. Ask your kids. Yeah, parents, ask a, your millennial. Yeah, I think I, I think I'm. Well, it's 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 a, what's interesting is a lot of the people on it are my age. I don't feel huh. too old, but so I'm on post as mm-hmm. well, and then uh, I'm doing the needcoffee.com weekend justice podcast uh, still fairly regularly, but every Wednesday from seven to 9 PM season 28, we are in now of juxtaposition, my weekly radio show, and you can tune in seven to nine central time. It's on KDHX in St. Louis. It streams online, but perhaps you are busy because everyone's busy in the holiday season or they just have things they want to do on Wednesdays. It's okay because every show is archived for two weeks. So you can go, to the website, go to the archive stream and listen to it whenever you want. So please check that out. Awesome. It's a fantastic show and everyone should go listen to it. You can find me at cosmicpress.com, K-O-Z-M-I-C-Press.com. And there you can find a list of all the books that I've written and books that I've published by other authors and a list of the podcasts that I do. All right, we'll be back next week. See you soon. Everybody have a great week and keep rocking on. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.